So this is a very special extra-sode of our program, Watch Out for Fireballs. The previous episode, action-packed with us conjecturizing and uh, proselytizing uh, about video game audio and music. Uh, but this is where we're kind of like put everything that uh, doesn't really fit anywhere else along with your responses. So this is kind of like its own little episode. But yep, with a different and some, probably some deleted scenes as well. Oh, yeah. That episode Because it was epic in length. No matter how <laughs> I'm, I'm recording this at the same time. Um, I don't trust my editing ability enough to make that thing anything less than, you know, two hours long. So yeah, it will be, it'll be lengthy. Um, yeah. So we just have some kind of grab bag subjects. We're just kind of, we don't have, you know, thesis statements for them or anything like that, but we just kind of want to throw out that are uh, important when you consider sound and music and games. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Licensed music and games. Yeah. That's a big deal. I mean, <laughs> it kind of goes into the voice acting problem with, uh, with, with the, with the bloated budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like what, what, what do you do when you can, you, you can afford to, uh, uh, license, uh, not bad moon rising, uh, fortunate son for your Vietnam game. Right. 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 <laughs> and they're can, good. They're good uses of that and bad uses. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and there's like, it's kind of interesting too. So like, uh, there are, there are shitty uses of it where it's, it's just not used very well. So I think about, and these are new games, some of the ones I'm, I'm talking about. So yeah. I'm thinking about like something like dishonored where, the soundtrack during the game is inoffensive. The ending credits has one of the dumbest <laughs> fucking vocal tracks I've ever heard. <laughs> like yeah. it's awful. Um, and not even in the fun way, like the snake eater theme yeah. was like, it's just <laughs> shit. Um, but something like, um, uh, spec ops, which like it has licensed songs, but the reason it's doing it, and this isn't that much of a spoiler is to invoke Vietnam. So right. like, it's interesting that you talked about fortunate son there. Because that's a, that's a, a movie trope of that. It's dealing with a different war, but it's using similarly toned music to bring that feeling about. And it's like a precision guided music choice. Yeah, that's real excellent. Mm-hmm. On the other way, it comes up a lot are in games where the there are no narratives. So like you run into things like your Crazy Taxis and your Tony Hawks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, me, you know. Like we talked about how, <laughs> yeah. uh, how Tony awesome Hawk has turned a whole generation into ska fans somehow. <laughs> like, like unconscious, subconscious uh, ska fans. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want that on my tombstone or anything. Like I don't, I don't need that uh, in any way. Do I self identify as such, but that, that Superman song comes on in Tony Hawk. I'm bobbing my head. Yeah. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good it's, it's like it's our, it's our so it, it comes up in those arcadey games like that and then it comes up in games where it's actually like so grand theft auto is the big one where it's emulating radio yeah which is really interesting like what would be a game be like if it like actually used licensed music just for its soundtrack yeah you know like a level was uh you know uh i don't know um, OMD's How Bizarre. <laughs> and then you, you uh, like throughout the whole level, you're just platforming to, uh, to, to OMD's How yeah. Bizarre. And then the second level is Little Miss, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong <laughs> by, by the Spin Doctors, you know? <laughs> like, it'd just, it'd just be really, really strange. Yeah. But, but like, all I can think about is San Andreas and watching that first trailer or even having it like happen in the game where like Welcome to the Jungle comes on and you're like, this is when and where that was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and it, and it works real well. I have a lot of memories of, uh, 
Vice City, um, which I, I, I'm maintaining, I think it's the best Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, a controversial opinion or anything, but uh, I don't. I don't think that it is. I, th- I think Vice City is a high watermark for a lot of people. The, the 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 chief contention falls between Vice City and San Andreas. Right on. Yeah, I think Vice City hits the sweet spot, and I have a lot of uh, memories of like riding into pink sunsets on a motorcycle while <laughs> Crockett's theme from uh, Miami Vice plays. Yeah, yeah, and it's awesome. Like it, it like it can it can do emotional shorthand like no other thing yeah i remember working in gamestop uh, not when that came out it was like a couple years after that we were still selling the soundtrack when yeah. i was working there like and that was a box set and each cd was a different radio station it was, it was a box like, set that probably came with at least two cds you weren't that interested in right? yeah. you know and people were still into it because it was an awesome collection like it had like really weird like the college radio 80s station was not a. Uh, you know, the same thing as a wow, that's why I call it 80s. You know, it had right. some weird stuff on there, like a lot of second singles. Like, it didn't have Relax. It had Two Tribes. You know, like the lesser known Frankie Goes to Hollywood Works. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And still in those games, I always listen to the to the talk stations. Yeah, and, uh, the, and, they're, and like <laughs> they've increasingly become like just kind of a vehicle for dick humor. Yeah. You know, but in that first one, it's really fun. Like mm-hmm. the first time I discovered that talk station, like I was really excited. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that was one of the first things I downloaded on Kaza was, was, <laughs> was the audio of all those things so I could listen to it. You know, this is this is probably not a profound point, but something that's just interesting that I thought of is like, don't you do you think that those talk stations are necessitated by the fact that so much of that game is uh, like, and this is a flaw of those games. That's something that infuriated me in four is boring because you are going back to starter markers of missions after you fail them. Yeah, a little bit. So they had to program in enough audio entertainment to like get you through it the same way that you you program commutes for work you know <laughs> that might be true yeah it's really interesting what a weird way to shore up a, a weakness like you could have a button a restart mission button or you can you can record you know a dozen hours of talk radio you know well, what i mean I one, one of them like, is more fun for you the other one is more fun for their creators yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean i would have preferred both of course i mean i know yeah. it's not a binary thing but yeah well we're, we're, we're not I mean, we, we do a lot of stuff on this show that's more fun for us than it is for the people who listen. So I'm, I'm not entirely unsympathetic, <laughs> but like, I'm just wondering. So, so Grand Theft Auto four, like it was meant to be, it was meant to take place contemporaneous with when it came out. So I had a lot of like modern music and like, I, I have like a really strong memory of like doing one of the bigger shootouts in that game while, uh, LCD sound systems get innocuous played. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that song. I like LCD sound system a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if, like, in hindsight, 15 years after the fact, if that will read as, like, oh, that was of the time and place, or is it just that we have that strong association because, you know, uh, San Andreas and Vice City were made after the fact when all those things were, like, crystallized, right? It, yeah, it'll, I mean, oh, so, like, whether the choices were, were, were different, right? So, like, the, the choices, soundtrack choices were made differently yeah. because they were concurrent yeah that's an interesting idea like yeah. what the future will consider to be the you know the hot hot hits of today yeah you know in that way or like appropriate yeah i mean that's a, that's a really good point I I, just, i'm sure that it would be different i just want to know what's going to be on now that's what i call music 106 <laughs> <laughs> when when we when we like them <laughs> our, our sad old bastards like uh, uh, um uh. <laughs> yeah and and it, it just it doesn't uh, it's interesting because it just doesn't uh doesn't come up that often other than that and it's usually you know it when it's at its best it's used for you know for effect and yeah. it's either emulating like a radio essentially which is what the tony hawk one does yeah 
you know, for lack of a better word, or is just like a, it's a, it's a part of a, a game and it's kind of like a laser guided, you know, emotional, intentional thing. Braid. Braid. Um, braid. Yeah. Braid, yeah, yeah, yeah. braid, 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 braid. Oh, oh, I love that soundtrack <laughs> so bad. They spent a lot of money licensing those, 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 those cello tracks. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's so perfect. And the fact that it's this simple, me- melodic, atmospheric thing that you can manipulate along with it, like, just, oh, gosh. Yeah, mm, I, yeah I agree. It's a good soundtrack. I just wanted to gush about that. That's one of my raves and faves. It's a weird, like, calling that a licensed soundtrack, though, is a weird thing. Because <laughs> it it's is. definitely a licensed soundtrack. They bought the music well from somebody. Not... Well, <laughs> when is that not true? Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean in, in a weird way, it's like, I... I don't know. It is because they spent a lot of money with it on it, yeah. but I bet you more people associate that with the soundtrack to Braid yeah. than do as as just discrete music. I didn't know Guns N' Roses was a, was a thing until San Andreas. <laughs> That's not true. I know. <laughs> the, 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 uh, <laughs> and it, we, we have a whole section of these notes just set up to just gush about music. Like, yeah. you didn't have to insert Braid into an actual discussion. You could have just said it <laughs> as a thing later. I know. Uh, no, <laughs> even it, you're technically right. <laughs> I, I just, I just wanted, it, I wanted to get a hands up on that. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I like that soundtrack too, buddy. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but, uh, it's good. That, that, oh, oh, okay, okay. So this, the, 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 I don't, I don't even know. Like this next point, indie games. They're, 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 they're hitting it out of the park with, uh, with, yeah. with, with the music because that is re- relative to other aspects that they could do, maybe a little bit cheaper. Than ways yeah. that they could distinguish themselves, right? I would also say that part of the reason they're they're knocking out of the park is because they are evoking and using similar techniques to to like not always, but a lot of times, like using uh, you know the kind of same principles that old music video game music used. Yeah, I know it's an old point. I went on about it for a long time, <laughs> but a lot of when I think about indie game music, it it remind it scratches the itch in the same way. You know. Like, uh, you look at something like, um, I talked about this, I think, on, on the level, but like the soundtrack to Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Is you know an intentionally a uh, a throwback to old music, but is an amazing soundtrack. Uh-huh. Like those songs are great, 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 great. I can't disagree. I, I, really, this is just me, Chris Farleying at this point. Like, yeah, which is which is fine. That's what that's what extra shows are for. Let's <laughs> well, all loosen up our belts, let yeah. out our guts. <laughs> well, I just look, look at World of Goo, where it's just kind of like, yeah. what'll happen if we just like try and ape Danny Elfman as hard as possible? And, I I actually don't like that soundtrack because of that. Yeah. Like it fits the game, but I just I see the strings too much. Yeah. I, I like I'm like uh, okay, and Danny Elfman, and you know I've got <laughs> complicated feelings on Danny Elfman anyway. Yeah, me too. Like Ed Danny Wood Elfman, and like Ed, Ed Wood and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, awesome, fan fucking fantastic. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even and and then every yeah, Tim Burton's got such a weird career. I've got real mixed feelings for that man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which which I say mixed feelings. It, I hate him. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, there's no, there's no mix at all. I think he's awful. Um, like, but it's just, he's like, made, like, like, three movies I really like, so. Wh- wh- which three? Uh, Beetlejuice. Okay. Edward. Okay. Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, four. Okay. Yeah, no, I was going to go Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Ed Wood, mm-hmm. and uh, Big Fish. Oh, weird. I didn't like Big Fish. I liked it a lot. I like that it wasn't, uh, let's take an old property and throw candy stripes on it. Yeah. Like everything else he's ever done in his entire life. Like, can you imagine going into Tim Burton's bathroom <laughs> and just the bewildering calliope nightmare it would be? Like, Danny Elfman's like hovering over the toilet, fucking top shelf in it, playing with a fife and just. <laughs> 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 in the bottom Carter's there, you know, just kind of yeah, sweeping. <laughs> yeah, just sweeping while like, you know, singing tunelessly. And then Tim Burton's just standing there being hard to look at. <laughs> just standing there looking like truly Tarantino levels of ugly. Like. <laughs> I, I, okay, okay, okay. So I, I like um, Big Fish because um, it, it, it's heartfelt in a way that I think Ed Wood is. Mm. Um, but that, 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 that's just me. And that's just because I cried like a bitch at the end. So that yeah. may, that may be just like overwhelming everything else about that movie for me. Did you cry at the end of Ed Wood? Um, I, I, I did cry during it. I, I do miss it a little bit. Like I like that movie a lot. Yeah. I, that's actually my favorite Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Like, 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 like Ed Wood for me, I discovered both of those around this. I discovered that around the same time that I discovered American movie. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, just the, the, they're both so much about the joy of creation yeah. and, and just kind of like, you just can't, you can't help but watch that and just be like, Oh my God, these people are so inept, but they are just entirely fulfilled at this point. It's like, it's, it's like sympathy joy. You know, I thought you know? about like, this is not exactly the same. And I may have brought this up on an episode before. I feel similar feelings when I watched uh, infomercials for the gathering of the juggalos. <laughs> where like it's it's like these people you, are, are you cry at helicopter rides <laughs> i just do miss it about it i don't do miss about it but i think <laughs> these are these are idiots and these are people who uh have no cultural value who are happier and more enthusiastic than i've ever been in my life about something right like these people are taking more joy in this one week in the backwoods of illinois than i did at my wedding <laughs> you know like it just it, it's incredible right you know huh yeah, I don't even know I mean, where sure we go so, from some here. Some like, of those like, songs probably have some ICP on them. <laughs> yeah. Some of those uh, games. Yes, yeah, so some of those games. I don't know. Yeah. So, so this is this is what we are colloquially refers, referring to as our raves and faves. Sure, raves and faves, as opposed to our snubs and flubs, which are the ones <laughs> you're going to point out that we left out. <laughs> um, I just wanted a, a clearing house to mention some game songs that we didn't mention in the main episode. Yes. Um, that we really like, and uh, that's it. <laughs> it's the same thing that you're doing for your for your contribution, but I also wanted the ability to do so. Yeah, and 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 our lists are just gigantic. <laughs> yeah, we'll just take turns. Let's pick three. Okay. Oh god. We'll, we'll take turns and don't pick anything we brought up in the episode. <sighs> wow. Oh man. Three is tough, right? That 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 is tough. So so okay, can I go back retroactive re- retroactively and do something? 
Talking about indie games, Machinarium. Holy shit. Best soundtrack okay. in probably the last five years. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, Mr. Handigoat, the uh, the Glass House and the Butterfly. I just I just have to say I was holding off because that was for the Raven Faves. You criticized me earlier, and that's fine. That's what I'm here for. I'm just for. confused. I don't <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> no, I, just, I want to clear those off because I don't want those to count because I feel so strongly about them. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. No, that, that's fine. You can, okay. you can have your freebie. Okay. Freebie house. We, we, we don't um, need to edit that. That's fine. That's no, no, no. I, I, I shan't. It's extra soda, man. I'm not fucking editing. Free we do whatever it. we want in this shit. We'll do it live. <laughs> I'm going to brew up a fart just to throw it on air because I can because it's an extra soda. Brew up a fart. Who cares? Fart. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I'm sorry. Go. Um, but so I wanted to, I managed to bring up Starflight during the episode, which I was happy to do because um, I was trying to think of songs that like not everybody knows that I also are really near and dear to my heart. Um, so this is from the NES port of Ultima 4, which, like, why are you playing the NES port of Ultima 4? But it's how I, I came to Ultima, and it's the Ultima I played the most of. Um, this game is really interesting because there's music throughout the whole game. There's not very much of it, though. And there's one bard in one town who plays this one song, <laughs> which is real cool. I'm zapping it over to Cole. I'll cut it into the episode um, so you can you can check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, I like, I love that idea of like, there's, you know, there's a bard in one town who will play you this one song. And if you happen to find it, it's a special little, you know, treat. Yeah. No, and what, what a weird thing to have a bard play because that is like, there's drums and <laughs> <laughs> it's just one guy. Yeah. Just walking in place. No, but, but, but it's a wonderful little melody, right? Yeah. 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 Man, and I just like, like how hidden it is. NES games, they, they love those arpeggios, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's endearing to 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 me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, how do we want to do this? Do I want to go? Yeah, let's take turns. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to um, go for like a lesser known one, um, just because it's a game that is very near and dear to my heart, and this kind of like set the mood. So, um, Wild Arms is that a game that you played, Gary? Uh, the first one I played. The first one. I love that game so so much. Um, like, I don't know if it's just because I was starved for RPGs on the PlayStation. Um, I've gone back and played it several times and I still really, really like it. But the intro song, uh, into the wilderness is what it's called. Um, it's this awesome mix of like acoustic guitar, which you never really heard. I never did anyway until like, you know, I played a CD game where they could afford to dedicate some space to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and like this whistling kind of track and it was laid over this, uh, I didn't know it was anime at the time, but anime intro. Um, and it really set this mood for this kind of like crazy, uh, wild west sci-fi, uh, kind of sound. 
and yeah. uh, just, uh, just 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 fucking amazing. And the, the, the entire game, you know, like maybe like what some of my later examples would be, kind of goes goes back and forth between what the theme is and this kind of like uh, uh, epic scope fantasy uh, sound, like, you know, like you would expect in an RPG. And, uh, and none of it sounds out of place. Yeah, well, let's, let's uh, have a listen here. That's great. That's great. That's a, that's a, I, I will buy your uh, unsung classic <laughs> at that. That's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, so I want to, let me take a look here real quick. Um, I don't know how much I want to game it. Um, cause I think maybe somebody brought this up in the comments, but I'm going to say it anyway, cause I, I love it so much. Right. Um, so we didn't, you know, super Nintendo gets almost all of its, uh, gets all the love for video game music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and rightfully so. And we've talked about the, the Genesis sound chip like yeah. several times and how it's real different and weird and everything like that. Um, but the songs where the music comes through, like we talked about, you know, the Shadowrun music and that's, that's real good. Um, it's real kind of crazy and this industrial, uh, Japanese punk and stuff. But my favorite, uh, Genesis music of all time is Fantasy Star 2. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I I had never played that game, but like it, it really seems to fit with that cutscene that that, yeah. that that was playing there, like this crazy like limited aspect ratio anime almost, right? Yeah, yeah, the game the game's super anime, and that's just kind of the introducing all the characters yeah. that you run into, and one of like the you know like I'm kind of a defender of that game, but like that's the coolest part of the game is that like every once in a while someone the way you gain new party members is kind of cool, yeah, um, and then the dungeons are excruciating. 
<laughs> but the music in the dungeons are is good. Um, so it's got that. Right. No, our, our RPG music, man. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like I, I have to. <sighs> man, I, I just. I, I'm. Not, I don't know if it's just because of how much time you spend listening to it, or, or, yeah. or what. But you just develop this. Uh, this. This. This affection, right? Well, and and they. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you develop an affection, but I also think it tends to be real great. Like I think yeah. you know. I mean, not to not to uh, you know otaku out, but like uh, not to otaku night. But the, uh, uh, you know, Ubo Umatsu, Umatsu, I am bad at pronouncing Japanese game names. Um, but he, like, I mean, he's a great composer. Like, all mm-hmm. those final 16-bit and 8-bit Final Fantasies have great music. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's no no accident that RPGs have great music when you've got that kind of talent. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say that, like, uh, Umatsu, he might kind of, I, I mean, just in, in, in terms of history and how... How kind of huge he was. He might not be rivaled, but quality of work, maybe possibly in specific incident incidences. Uh, Matsuda, uh, Yasunotori mm. Matsuda, the, the the guy who composed uh, half the music for, for uh, Chrono Trigger and uh, all of the music for Chrono Cross. Um, I know I harp on this a lot, and uh, uh, this is uh, for, for for good reason. Um, but uh, Chrono Cross's soundtrack is uh, something to marvel at. Um, the example that I chose is uh, is the alternate world uh, overworld song, uh, just because it's one of the ones that you're going to hear the most. Uh, most of the songs that you're going to hear in the soundtrack, they have this like weird Celtic inspired island feel a little bit, and a lot like Wild Arms, they reconcile that with this later stuff that is really epic and fantasy sweeping kind of stuff, right? So let's uh, let's take a listen. It's going to sound really gentle, and uh, my my love of guitar music is going to come through when you hear this. But. Uh... I like that. That is very good. Yeah. And it's kind of bland, but it just, uh, again, RPG music, overworld music. Uh, one of the examples I almost picked here was the, uh, the Terra theme for final fantasy six, uh, which is the overworld music for the world of, uh, balance. Right. Yeah. Or you take the, uh, the overworld music from final fantasy four. Yeah. Um, I think about that, that song quite a bit as well. Have you ever heard the, uh, the, the, the Celtic moon version of the final fantasy four soundtrack? No, that like it's they, they they took that soundtrack and they had like a uh, a Celtic uh, um, I don't want to say orchestra something like that but they, they arranged it in like a way of like Irish music and it really really works huh. like like the like the um, I don't want to say xylophone but the bells on that uh, on the Final Fantasy IV Overworld uh, really kind of come through on it. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Like I, I could definitely see that being like usually like video game remix kind of stuff like that like piano versions and stuff like that like i i can enjoy that yeah but i'm usually kind of more into original soundtrack 
know, for the mind. most part. Yeah. You know, um, not entirely, but yeah. for the most part. Um, I guess my last example, one of the things I want to just point out, um, and we talked about this in the, uh, the Oshis Island thing about how technology can change from cart to cart. Um, but one of the things is, so I, I uh, up to a point, I think the music in Zelda games gets better. Like I like the Zelda 2 music more than I like the Zelda 1 music. Right. I like the Zelda 3 music better than that. Um, but the uh, the Japanese uh, Zelda music had that, that kind of extra chip and uh, added that weird kind of tremolo effect right. to everything that you'd find a lot in a, a Commodore 64. So like one of the uh, the things, so I really have always liked the palace music right. in Zelda 2. I think that's, that's a great song. And the uh, the Japanese version, it was an interesting little bit of technology that made it stand out from the, uh, the American version. about Zelda music and kind of came through and, you know, just being reminded of that. Um, a lot of like, kind of like really kind of Arabian feel to some of what they do. Yeah. 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 Especially like, I mean, Zelda two, um, especially for Zelda two, because you're spending a lot of time in deserts Yeah, and, and stuff like that. Like that kind of makes sense. Like if that was a game with more visual fidelity, it would look different than, you know, than a, a link to the past or an Ocarina of time. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, it's it just uh, th- that's something we didn't talk about a lot in the main episode. Um, but uh, I, I, I kind of in my head intended for it to be more of it. But just that 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 difference in with, with cartridges, man, like their whole new systems that you can just put into that thing and just ship it and have yep. it be a thing. Like not just how much memory it has, and that dictated the price of a lot of these things, but just like what it can do. Yep, yep, yep. They're individual specialized tools. Yeah, a lot of ways. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm split for my last one um, because I don't know if I want to go in a predictable direction or uh, um, one that is kind of like classic and maybe overstated. I would say err on the side of, of older. Err on the side of older. Okay. Yes, to give you because there's lots of these things I could see you doing both for. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I will say, um, you know, Mega Man music. We talked about it a lot in the uh, mm-hmm. in the main body of the episode, but uh, one of the most memorable tracks for me is uh, Crash Man. Um, because like at at the time when I played it, like when I was like, you know, staying the night at my grandma's trailer and she rented it for me from, uh, you know, from the local radio store. Right. That was kind of like, I would hum it, you know, just like, as it goes like, huh? Yeah. 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 Like it's so, so good. No, I know how to play that. I'm going to cut myself off and cut out me fucking it up. There it is. Yep. There you go. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 So, 
so so good. Like it's uh it's 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 so bouncy and it's so peppy. It's got that drive to it, but it's 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 more playful than most other uh, Mega Man music that I can remember off the top of my head. You know, yeah. there, there, there's better Mega Man music like Magnet, you know, Magnet Man, you know, mm-hmm. like that. But just uh, just like that one sticks out to me so so much. It's great. The the uh, it was one of the first ones I learned. The uh, my old band, the Metroids, we had a song. Uh, that was largely instrumental. And for the bridge, we would play a Nintendo song, you know, yeah. and it kind of rotated. And the one we did for the very first incarnation of it, we did uh, Crash Man mm-hmm. in the middle there. So it was just like a regular instrumental song. And then the middle, we'd go into Crash Man for a little bit. And then it ultimately, it, it turned into Zelda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm also reminded, uh, I posted this on the on the Facebook group way back when we first started the show. But uh, there was a band who did uh, who did a live soundtrack to a speed run of Mega Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's really fascinating to watch. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> um, and their and their Crash Man music is really good too. Yeah, I just I just like it. It's 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 probably my favorite piece of Mega Man music. Yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great song. No disagreement there. I'll throw it in right now. <laughs> Those are our raves and faves. That, but what are your raves? And more importantly, what are your faves? Yes, yes. Well, we asked you, and you and and you showed up in force. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll we'll go ahead and read these. Um, it's not necessarily a contest, you know, the no. same way that most of our other things are. So we're just going to kind of this is a, a participatory fun jam. Um, so the uh, so so John uh, Saulnier on Facebook. Uh, he says, <clears throat> Brian Williams, Lustmord, was originally commissioned to do the sound design for Torment. The guy who designed the SID chip and then C64 went on to form Insonic, which was the best synthesizer manufacturer ever. Fantasy Star 2, yep, has the best music, Metroid, Wonder Boy 3, and Fez are all up there. Good music will make a good game good, but no game will ever be great without good music. There's a lot more to say about how hardware influences the sound and how limited resources influence composition, why auteurism works so much better than Zimmerism, um, <laughs> and why game soundtracks have gone from anthemic to anemic, uh, why my tastes are objectively good and everyone else's are somehow lacking. I knew this was coming up, but I'm too tired and busy to get into it right now. Fortunately, there's an episode of Extra Credits which says most of what I would need to say for me. And he gives a link which we'll also yeah. give, which means another podcast did this whole thing already. <laughs> Fuck. Let's that's, delete it, Cole. <laughs> that's like, that's like a TV show. Uh, like, oh, okay. a, like an internet television show. Ah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree with most of what you're saying, John. Yeah. And you brought up like, well, I didn't, we didn't read these before we came up with our things, but like, yeah, the anthemic to anemic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Autourism versus Zimmerism. Yeah, and your your coining phrases that we're probably going to say in the future. Yeah, yeah, left yeah, and right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although I, I I love how we have um, singled out Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that. <laughs> he is our Aerosmith, by which I mean <laughs> he's, also he's the our Aerosmith, Aerosmith. musicians. <laughs> 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 it clearly can't be Aerosmith. Yes. Cont- continue with kind of uh, general comments. Ryan Mulva- Mulvanity. There we go. Uh, how about the way that Doom borrowed heavily from various metal and grunge songs? Or how Mark Morgan's amazing Fallout scores seem to be lifted at times wholesale from Aphex Twin, Eno, etc.? I'm not really sure what interesting discussion could be massaged out of the topic beyond did you ever notice. But hey, I'm not a seasoned podcast professional like y'all. Edit. Cyber Stadium series, Base Wars for the NES, has rockin' music when you hit a homer. And spaceships. If I recall correctly, Chris Kohler did a bit on Retronauts years ago where he discussed how the limitations of the NES sound hardware led composers uh, to led to composers aping older, simpler types of music like ragtime and such. I recall it being rather interesting. Again, things we've said that have been yeah, said before. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Man, Cyber Stadium Series Bass Wars. That is, that is a, that's a great name. <laughs> the, the, there are like six implied colons in that. the uh uh uh, the the doom thing um there's a a youtube series called errant signal i like a lot like the way that guy thinks about games he did one on doom where he talks about the soundtrack and uh you know it is mostly just ripping off you know metal um heavy metal songs but he contextualizes it in the fact that doom is so obviously a labor of love by a small group of people and makes a really convincing argument and like how you can get enjoyment out of Doom by imagining this group of you know seven or eight metalheads staying up all night listening to Anthrax and programming this game, and uh, that's a really neat way to think about a game. You yeah, know? I could see yeah. that. Uh, which 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 is unlike when they you know went on to make Quake and they're just like yeah let's get Trent Reznor to do it. Yeah, which fuck. is still still a good soundtrack. <laughs> I, 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 I like Quake's soundtrack a lot, but I have I, I have been on I'm on the record as saying I like ambient crazy industrial music so. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Indeed. Screw it. Indeed. <laughs> um, and I, I'm cutting and I cut in examples from all these at various places. So I'm okay. going to start uh, leaving spaces for them. Okay. Um, Christopher Schley or Schley, Schley. Um, says, um, I have to go with Castlevania three Dracula's curse. Not sure if there's a bad song in the bunch, even the sort of creepy intro song and the song that plays when you enter your name to the epic tune right before you start whipping your way through shit. And come on, the clock tower music, which is excellent, yes. the ghost ship level, and how about how it basically all builds up to the extremely epic final level. Uh, but Fallout wins as far as pure ambience is concerned. Yeah, I, I'm happy to throw in some Dracula 3 mu- or Castlevania 3 music right now.
Yeah, talk about uh, hardware, right? Whoops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting Fallout keeps coming up so much, and that game is such a major touchstone for me, but like, I recognize the soundtrack as being effective, but I would never listen to it yeah. like on my headphones. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and me, as, uh, as an ambient music person, wouldn't listen to it. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if if it came on, like I haven't chosen to download it and listen to it. So yeah. it's like I recognize it as being good. Yes. It has very good ambience. Yep. I can I can nod my head approvingly. Why not nod your head to the beat of Will Owens? <laughs> yes. Um, so when they give two examples, do we want to read just one or do we want to uh... um, do both of these? Because I want to put them both in the, the show. <laughs> OK. Like I, I know both these. He he linked me this Rise of the Triad song, and it's kicking rad. Yeah, it's, so. it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So Will Owens, uh, super fan of the show and the uh, uh, curator of the Backlog Killer blog, says Rise of the Triad is a first-person shooter from 1994 that features my favorite MIDI soundtrack, composed by Bobby Prince and Lee Jackson. The songs always get me pumped up and actually feature some form of melody uh, and progression that allow them to stand on their own. Just listening to the songs makes it easy to imagine running through a trap-filled hallway uh, while firing bazookas and... Uh, sorry while firing bazookas at cultists. My favorite track is either I Choose the Stairs or Ow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, listen to one of those right now. Uh, I choose I Choose the Stairs. <laughs> I choose the stairs from the rise of the sound. <laughs> the rise of the soundtrack. Rise of the soundtrack here on Watch Out for Triads. No, WOF Radio. W O F F. Um, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> one thing I love about this the, 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 this MIDI music almost uh, almost entirely uh, um, from, from this era or, or, or whatnot, but uh, the drum tracks, dude, the drums. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that stuff appeals to me in a big bad way because, like, I I get into dorkily fake things. Like, I have an extensive collection of drum machines. Like, I'm not I, from from where I'm sitting right now. I can see four drum machines. <laughs> um, so, so I like that shit quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that uh, you know I do not go in for the naturalistic fallacy. Like, something being realer does not make it better. Right. Um, I'm a fan of artifice in all its forms, and uh, this song exhibits that in a wonderful way. Right. That's not a trumpet, like that's not a. Horn, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> because because it reads to your head initially as a trumpet, and that is that that is gold, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic. 
Um, Will goes on to say, My favorite digitally recorded soundtrack is Arcanum. The entire score is performed by a four-piece chamber orchestra and greatly enhances the mood of the game. Far different from the orchestra swells of most modern games, Arcanum uses melancholy strings and complex progression in its composition. It is very easy to imagine the whole soundtrack being performed for an audience in a live setting and still being entertaining without the context of the game. My song pick for Arcanum is the main theme. Will knows his music, man. He, he, he gets it. Yeah, but these are both great examples. Arcanum was something like a, a, a definite doom in Arcanum. I had a, a small segment where I was going to talk about PC versus console music, yeah. and was going to bring up uh, counterexamples. And yeah. both of these were those counterexamples. So I didn't <laughs> say anything because I knew that the the listeners had it shored up. Yeah. But yeah, the Arcanum soundtrack is wonderful. Um, it's an orchestra. It's an orchestral like instrumentation, but just that restraint of just having it be the four piece. Yep. And it's so consistent, like it, it's it's a, a, a you know a, a whole work, right. you know, like there's never any kick and drums that pop in all I choose the stairs style <laughs> halfway through Arcana music. Right. Kind of a, a, a precursor to that would be like the um, well I guess that's not true I was gonna say the act or music, mm-hmm. but that was a little bit more like fake bombast. Yeah. Yeah, uh, John Dotson, who runs uh, Cheerful Ghost, friend of the show, um, he brings up a song called Animal Counterpoint, uh, Animal Village from Prophetic. And uh, so he, uh, he says, uh, this song comes from the Threshold of a Dream OC remix album for Link's Awakening. It's a really unique remix of the original Animal Village song. I like this one because it dances around the melody while doing its own thing. Um, we didn't we didn't talk to very much about like the remix culture no. around video game music or like the mini bosses or you know uh, the advantage or anything like that. Yeah, like I, I like a lot of stuff off of OC Remix. Um, I've used it for projects in the past, mm-hmm. um, f- fully credited, of, of, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I, I tend to prefer stuff like this where it's uh, like a really a really thoughtful reimagining as opposed to like okay, like what if we put a four on the floor beat to dance and mad. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this is really interesting. It takes a little while to get there. Like this, uh, being super honest, like this, you know, the the minute that this uses to get to when it gets cool, like is usually further than my threshold. Like yeah. I, I'm kind of a get to the chorus kind of kind of person in in my music. But when this gets neat, it gets really neat. And you're right. You're exactly right about it. Dancing around the melody and doing its own thing. Like it's using the original as a point of inspiration, as opposed to being beholden to it. Yeah. And Link to the Past, not not Link to the Past, God, um, but Link's Awakening Link's actually uh, does that a lot. Like uh, one of the one of the ones that I have for my raves and faves, the uh, the Tall Tall Heights uh, music. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it, it's a remix of the uh, of the Zelda Overworld theme in a way that like really kind of uh, brings a lot of uh, a lot of drum to it. 
that you wouldn't have yeah. had before. Um, Super neat. Yeah. So a remix of a game that has remixes. Yeah. A remix within a remix. <laughs> um, so uh, John goes on to say, uh, the Diablo 3 soundtrack is superb. I know people have mixed feelings about the game, and I understand where that comes from, but the music is stellar. Tamo Highland stands out to me from the rest uh, that uh, the rest in that it has its flavors of the original Matt Uleman scores, but goes in a more airy direction. I seem to land on scores that are less pop and flair and more withdrawn. definitely diablo music yes it is <laughs> diablo slash torchlight music unmistakable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like i like diablo music okay but i don't i don't love it like i think the only diablo song i really like is the campfire song from diablo 2 yeah there's kind of like two acoustic guitar chords back and forth yep that's really nice mm-hmm. um john concludes uh with the cloud from the sword and sorcerer ep by jim guthrie he says if you're not down with jim guthrie you need to realign your priorities his music goes into so many different places, oftentimes, and oftentimes his scores don't seem connected. That said, he has mastered the art of song construction and shies away from often-covered game score territory. How about some auto-tuned clarinets and staccatoed stickwork? Done. And oh, let's add bells, guitar, and violins, and then build up to end on one note? Totally awesome. Let's yeah, hear so it. here's this. I mean, we, we both love this soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. No need to convince us there. That, that's a great song. There's yeah. I mean, we we talked about that 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 Jim Guthrie quite a bit. Yeah, big fans, both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't even need to hear it. It's it's etched in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to t- Tim Anderson, he he kind of uh, uh hits us with a couple of with a, with a, with a couple of examples here. He says the music of Donkey Kong Country Two is definitely one of my favorites from my childhood. The pirate aesthetic really adds a lot to the game over the first and later games, uh, including the style of many of the music tracks in the game, and they are so damn catchy. I can't help but whistle them as I go about my day if I'm in a jolly mood. Yeah, he doesn't have a specific song. No example. He just kind of has Donkey Kong Country Two. Yep. So I will throw in you know a main theme. Yeah, why not? Um, and I can't let any SNES music discussion slip away without dragging out Lufia 2. Uh, the game uh, is as JRPG as JRPGs can be, but the music is pretty rad. It's one of the few games where hearing the random encounter music doesn't immediately increase my stress level. <laughs> random encounter music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. Like uh, That could have been its own little subject. Yes, like, it could have. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that... that sound from yeah. Final Fantasy 7. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. 
The Sinistral music is pretty awesome as far as boss music goes. The first time you fight one early in the game, you strut in thinking it'll just be like any other boss, but uh, then this guy is gigantic and comes with his own shredding square wave guitar music, and you know you're in for quite the endeavor. After replaying the game recently, its story is still pretty lame, but the soundtrack and roguelike bonus, uh, roguelike bonus dungeon, more than make up for it. So Sinistrals are uh, special boss enemies in that particular game, uh, Lufia 2. Yeah, I, I missed that too. We thought he was talking about a new game. Yes, me too. Full, di- full, full disclosure, we've been recording for almost four hours, yeah. and Cole's really, really tired, and I'm really, really hungry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're not at our best here, no. uh, rounding these out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we're committed to you. <laughs> Um, Ravdeep Bagri says, uh, I thought it was really interesting how little music there is in Dark Souls. The only time it appears are at Firelink Shrine and during bonfires, if you don't call it the intro ending, the bosses. It's a bold, that was my side. It's a bold artistic choice that fits how empty the world has become. The protection of Firelink and the grandoise, uh, uh, nature of boss fights. A certain piece that plays quite close to the end is my favorite. You've come a long way on your journey, and you now face remorse and regret for the things that you've done and the world you've traversed through. So, yeah, the music in Dark Souls is pretty good. Yep. We're absolutely. Not gonna, we're not going to say what that music is or what happens when you're doing it, but... Uh... It's super spoily. So, <laughs> yeah, but we did talk about it. I mean, something that probably won't end up on mic yep. on an episode because it's a huge spoiler, but tune into Bonfire Side Chat in about six months. Yeah. And <laughs> talk all about exactly what uh, Rob Deep is talking about. Yeah. But yeah, no no disagreement. I downloaded the soundtrack for that, and it's excellent. Yeah. So, James Robinson goes on to give us kind of a, a unique perspective, something that we don't really think about here. Um, I have been into gaming since the mid-'80s. Here in the U.K., the microcomputers such as the ZX Spectrum, Amstrad, and the Commodore 64 were king. I had the C64, which won the music side of things hands down with its custom-made SID chip. Uh, this treated me to some amazing tunes such as Whizball, by Martin Galway. So let's uh, take a listen to that. say uh martin managed some amazing covers for licensed products including short circuit um a never-ending story and uh the last ninja um a bunch more stuff man he is a really prolific composer and that he did that awesome crazy uh like 80s science-based teen movie (laughs) for for a pinball game is pretty cool yeah yeah i I think in the episode i'm just going to put in the whiz ball yeah stuff rather than the cover it's pretty crazy that you did a cover of who's johnny and as a noted uh fan of elder barge um (laughs) it's gonna be hard for me to leave that out but there's a lot of links here and i don't want to go in too much in there 
pretty linky. Um, he goes on to say something kind of interesting. There's, there are phone apps and websites dedicated to keeping these SID chip classics alive. One of my favorite games for music is a French PC game from around 1995 called Relentless in the U.S. or Little Big Adventure in Europe. It was one of the first games to come out on a CD, and it used an orchestra. The tunes fit just perfectly into the game world. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in that site about keeping the SID chip classics alive because I, I really like Commodore music. I never had a Commodore, but I, I like that sound design mm-hmm. quite a bit. Agreed. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Steve says, <clears throat> I feel this episode leads really well into the episode for Final Fantasy Tactics. At least as far as I'm concerned, the music's on Final Fantasy Tactics, or the music in Final Fantasy Tactics does an amazing job to really get across the feel of the game itself. I mean, just think of Decisive Battle. If I remember right, without going too much into Final Fantasy <laughs> Tactics, gotta save it for that one, the first time you hear that music is one of the more tense battles in the first chapter. I can hear that music and remember my first playthrough. Remember the great, huge urge to throw the old PS uh, controller into the screen of the television as the unit as unit after unit got picked off. I still even remember first beating the battle when I hear it. Yeah, that's uh, when you first fight the uh, crazy enemy. Is that is that spoilers? The, uh, begins with no, the I, don't, I mean we're gonna, we're gonna spoil the shit out of it in like a second, like yeah. in like a couple weeks. <laughs> it, it, it's it's the it's the you first see it when you fight the Zodiac monster. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. we we definitely said Zodiac monster in the last episode. Okay. as our stopping point, so that's not a spoiler <laughs> that there are Zodiac monsters. Okay, well, obviously, tactics music is incredible. Oh, it's fantastic. That opening theme, like that, like those kind of like uh, ding 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 mm-hmm. ding ding, like the, that little thing. That's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. so fucking good. Yeah, I'm looking, we're not going to put. I mean, we're going to put a lot of that music into that episode too. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so. Not not going to put that in there, but mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Steve continues, and I know oftentimes it's pretty normal to nerd the fuck out about great soundtracks for games, but hazard to say that even the sound effects can be just as great. I still either get gleeful or cringy when I hear the death scream in Tactics, <laughs> <laughs> and it's always uh, much more fun to hear the good boing sound of the lancer between Tactics and uh, Final Fantasy IV. It's always nice to hear little nods of the head to the prior games. Now, none of this is to say that I don't appreciate the 16-bit games music, game music. Quite the contrary. Yes, I do rather. Yes, I do rather love. <laughs> yes, I yes. do rather love. Yes, Mega I Man do rather love Mega Man soundtracks. Of course, however, I am pretty sure the Blue Bomber is going to get a decent amount of love. So, may I offer some Crystalis for your listening pleasure? SNK had a bit of an unsung hero when it comes to its soundtracks, but that's largely because it, they had far more on their Neo Geo slash Neo CD slash arcade consoles, with Chrysalis and Arcari Warriors, Warriors series being much of the outliers. I find a good amount of the music for Chrysalis also tends to add quite a bit of mood to the game. Um, there's also something sexy about good old Thunder Bracelet, triple lightning attack, crackling, letting you know everything will die. Everything must die. Everything must die. Nature. Chrysalis, man. Yeah. It's a good game. I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I have no idea if it was popular or not, but my friend had the game Toe Jam and Earl for the Genesis, and I loved it. I never thought video games could be that funky. I wanted to play this game whenever I came over, as much as possible. Here's a track from it. So let's uh, take a listen. Thank you. 
Yeah, I love the music from that game. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like you on one hand, you want to say like, what a weird genre for them to try and do, but like that was like in the early '90s, so like Red Hot Chili Peppers was like in full effect. You know, in an alternate, if Red Hot Chili Peppers had made a game, I would be much more comfortable hating Red Hot Chili Peppers than Aerosmith. Maybe not much more. I would be equally comfortable. Yeah. I hate those. I hate that band so much. Just, just tangentially, yep. like I fucking hate the Red nope, Hot Chili it's, Peppers. It's, it's understandable. I like. I think that song is the most annoying fucking melody that. It, yep. Uh, yep. No. I'm no. Getting, you're getting cranky. No, I, I say oh. I say this as a person who the first the first album that I purchased with my own money of my own volition was Californication. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say blood sugar sex magic. I no. forget how young you are sometimes. Yes, I uh, I was I was in sixth grade. Mm. Yeah, yeah. A difference. Gross. I know it's um, real gross. Yeah, <laughs> I did it to impress a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to Californicate with me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the interesting thing about that, like it being so funky, is it like it? It's super consistent. It's like as consistent as the Arcanum soundtrack in that way. You yeah. know, it's it's really aping a genre and doing it really well. Um, yeah, I, I 100% with you. That is a great soundtrack. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thanks everybody for participating. Um, you know, uh, before we get into the deleted scenes from the episode, I just want to make a quick appropriate plug I, I just thought of to do. Um, before my, my days of meeting Cole, I did a, a really short three episode podcast called Game Genies in the Morning, which is all about video game music. And the premise is kind of a morning radio zoo crew show. Um, but that plays in an alternate universe where people listen to video game music rather than, you know, living on a prayer. <laughs> and uh, I think it's real funny. There's only three episodes. It's up on my uh, website, the www.garybutterfield.net. And uh, check it out if you like uh, video game music. It'll be a link in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And on to the rest of the episodes, deleted yeah. scenes. If I don't eat something, I will faint. <laughs> and if I don't go to sleep, sleep. I will fall asleep fall right asleep. now. But that's not very much of a threat. If I don't fall asleep, I will fall asleep. <laughs> Good night. It is a new day. It is a new day. Every day is a new day, except for your last. Well, yeah. Well, even that one's new, but there's not Kevin much Spacey. after it. American Beauty. <laughs> God. I don't even know where to get started on American Beauty. Uh, what is it? The the Clerk Ward, like a the kind of movie that you think is really really cool when you're a teenager and then don't like. Yeah, a little bit, yeah like pretty, a little bit less. Pretty much, I thought it, I thought it was more profound than it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we were all kind of blown away by it. Yeah. You know, it was like last generation's Crash. <laughs> you know, yeah. Broad. And 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 it's one of those things where I like Kevin Spacey, but I can't name a movie that he's in other than Seven. Where I like, I could say like, "Oh, that's really great. I like that." K-Pax. K Pax. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and even that K Pax was one that I I enjoyed when I watched it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I actually, I think I probably don't actually like Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I just think I do. <laughs> American Beauty is not a bad movie. No, like it's just a little too like crowd pleasy and broad. Yeah, you know, there's some excruciating scenes in it, mm -hmm. but. I think I feel like it's kind of a the the aesthetic and the kind of softness to it was prepped me for some stuff I would like later, yeah. like like some like Wes Andersony, P.T. Andersony stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like an intro to that kind of movie. Yeah, and 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 I and I like that concept of him having like 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 reverting to being a teenager. You know, yeah. Like if it was just that, if it was just the movie about him deciding fuck it, 
I could right. probably that, that's real get strong. behind it. Like, like he's like, totally a hero during those scenes. Yeah, like like, like bringing, you, bringing a job and yeah. That 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 monologue where he's where he says where he's masturbating in the shower and he says, "Believe it or not, this is the high point of my day." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah. or when he's lifting weights and smoking weed in the garage. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, th- those are the parts that you remember fondly, and then yeah. the like homophobic Nazi dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the, that stuff that's like, and then, you know, bag in the wind. Yeah. And the, and the, and the mom, I don't, I don't really care for her too much. Yeah. Yeah. She's demonized a little bit. Yeah. And that, but yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, and we all thought that guy was going places, didn't we? Like <laughs> the, the, the young kid, uh, Ricky, the movie, like that, like he was going to be like actor to watch and he didn't do shit. I watched it so far after the fact that like he didn't register for me. I did, I remember like all of the girls in high school being fucking leaving dollops on their chair, soaking fucking wet Jesus. for that shit. Like yeah. just like going crazy over that kid and just like everyone thinking he was going to be the next big thing. Hmm. Turned out he wasn't. Well, you know, yeah. Sad for him. Happy for me. Yeah, he, he, he's a power vacuum for me to <laughs> for, for me to inhabit. I'm sure he gets yeah. points on the back end somehow. Yeah. He, yeah, he he gets mailbox money from that. I always wonder about that. Like, what? How big a movie has to be for you to like make a modest living off of it? Through that, like, can that guy quit like looking for work and just like dedicate himself to woodworking or something now? It's you know, it's one. Okay, so so another podcast I listened to called Ah oh, Yeah Dude. Uh, one of the hosts who used to be an actor. And his biggest role, he was a uh, he was an like a like, not like an extra, but like a bit part in Crossroads, the uh, the the Britney Spears the Bone movie. Thugs and Harmony song. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the Britney Spears movie. Okay, uh, he was he, he was a bit part in that, and uh, like every every couple of weeks, he opens up one of the checks, and he's and he gets like you know like six bucks, eight bucks, something like that. Mm. So something that small. So if you assume a bigger part. In a slightly more successful movie, a, a much bigger part in a way more special successful yes. movie, like Academy, multiple Academy Award winning. Yes, yes, movie. but but but, yeah, I, yeah. but I guess what I'm saying is, if if you assume that's to scale, right? Figure how many times Amer- American Beauty is played on television throughout the world versus how many times Crossroads is played throughout the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's probably yeah, it's probably like you know sixty or seventy or eighty bucks. Mm-hmm. Every couple of weeks, so like ten or ten or twenty, you know, twenty times on the outside. Yeah, you know, and I would. Um, he probably negotiate, and he was a way bigger part too. So it's probably even more than that. But yeah, you know, maybe not enough. You know, maybe a uh, few hundred bucks. Yeah, every couple of weeks. Which you know, that's nothing to blink at. If you, no. <laughs> I, I, w- I would not turn away a check that size. No, no, I wouldn't either. I don't know what I would. I mean, I would do with it. I sometimes think about that. Like if I was going to try to look for like freelance music work or something like mm-hmm. that, that would pay off like that it's like it'd be neat but unless at this point like unless it lets me quit my job it's not doing that much for me right you know because it's like i i don't have like my time is more valuable than money right now mm-hmm. the only amount of money that is useful to me is the amount of money that allows me to live on it right you know, like bonus income is nice but mm-hmm. not necessary really yeah so. um man. and symmetry yes I like it. Symmetry Uber yeah. Alice. Have, mm-hmm. have you have you watched the new Lemon Grab? I haven't watched it yet. It's, I just I, I need to I need to download it. I just haven't gotten around to it. 
I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. But the, I heard a very apt description on another podcast by another another podcast personality who you don't care too much for. Um, who who said <laughs> who shall remain nameless for some reason? <laughs> like I'm not going to discount the opinion just because I don't like the dude. <laughs> it's uh, Merlin. Uh, okay. Merlin. He he said it's 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 like you're playing a D and D module where your character takes mushrooms and is forced to confront their fear of lemon grab. Mm. It's super fucked. Like I was I was really sick earlier this week, like nausea and vomiting sick. I, like I, I I had taken some nausea medicine. I was laying down in bed after I watched it, and I had like a night terror about it. Oh, gee. <laughs> like it sounds like I'm being dramatic, but I shit. No, you no, not. yeah, <laughs> I believe you. It's supposed to be. I saw some screenshots from it. Like I read mm-hmm. a couple of like review lits, mm-hmm. you know, about it, and it definitely looks really disturbing. Yeah. Um, I'm a little scared that they're leaning on the character too much. Like he's my favorite character in the show. Me too. But he's appeared a lot more this season than he ever has previously. This season, um, uh, th- th- this is all that I've seen of this season. Like when I heard new lemon grab, I I, w- I was immediately. Well, maybe I'm getting the season markers mixed up because you watched the uh, the you created me right. You one? made me. Yes. Yeah, you yes. made me. That, that so was, I guess that, that was, was season, season four. Yeah, this is and this is was, season five. And he's in a episode before the. He's in another episode in season five that I also have not watched. Hmm. Um, where he teams up with uh, Tree Trunks and the Ice King, <laughs> and it's like it's like the side character quest thing. Right, right. And like, I was a little bit so I'm, I want to watch it. I'm a little bit nervous about it just because it's like, like I think that you made me episode is is legitimately beautiful. Right. Like in a, a 100% non, you know, non ironic, totally genuine like sense. I think that episode mm-hmm. is beautiful. Like the ideas behind that are, are one of the reasons why I love that cartoon. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to have anything traded in for like cheap you know surreal surreality they i mean just like as 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 a fellow lemonite um (laughs) joseph smith and the lemonites who (laughs) (laughs) as 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 a fellow lemon grabian um i i don't think they did okay um i i think that they take some of the themes from one and two um Mm -hmm. And, you know, both, both from too young and, uh, and you made me and they kind of take them to something of a logical conclusion. Okay. So, so like the, the, the obsession and the desire to rule from, 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 uh, too young and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> kind of the desire for companionship and just the complete ineptitude. And again, the desire to rule from, uh, from you made me and kind of like this kind of creator complex slash create created complex. Yeah. Like it, the, the existential terror about, yes, you know, like what I am, uh-huh. you know, like that, that's the, yeah. 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 So it's, uh, I don't think it's gratuitous at all. Okay. Excellent. I'm, I'm, bu- I'm, you know, I'm buying print trade paperbacks instead of using my iPad, you know, comic, well, comics are more like a book is like a more tactile thing though. Yeah. Comics are a weird thing. Like when I got rid of most of my books, when I moved, I kept a lot of comics and just because they're kind of harder to get a hold of. And I like that experience more like a book yeah. is something you can kind of always get and it's always cheap. And you know, any book that, didn't come out this year i can find on half.com for like four bucks right you know anytime i want to read it but comics are a weird thing you see that picture i posted on my shelf yeah it's getting bigger yeah (laughs) good man good on you it's like you've been opened up to a whole new medium it's like if i suddenly like appreciated dance (laughs) i don't know know where comics are good man i you know what uh would be a fun side road for you to go to like next time you're looking for something okay once you've got the context uh the uh, Fantagraphics put out two collections of um, uh, this uh, this guy Fletcher Hanks, okay, from the the 30s and 40s. 
And uh, they're just collections of this guy's comics. He did these, you know, just kind of work for hire guy. Really interesting dude. Um, and the comics are fucking bug nut insane. Ooh, like, yes. it's got some of that still, you know, that craziness that, you know, we appreciate in Adventure Time and other things. Um, the two collections are called uh, I Shall Destroy All the Civilized Planets and uh, uh, the last, the, the second one is, uh, is escaping me. But um, they're real good and they're real crazy. Um, they're real weird. And there's all this weird, like, accidental poetry in it. Like, the uh, the guy who wrote them uh, went on the – he, like, saw these comics and went on this quest to, like, find this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, just ended up finding his son because the guy was dead and finding out that this was – this guy was, like, this monster. Like, he was a child abuser and, like, he used to beat the shit out of his wife. And he ended up dying, like, drunk and fr- freezing to death on a park bench, um, the guy who drew these comics. Jesus. And then, like, the comics, if you read them thematically, like, they're all about – Old Testament justice. Hmm. So in it, there's no room for forgiveness and really minor crimes are punished in like imaginative, crazy ways. So like they'll have some criminal will, will attempt to rob a bank. Stardust, the super wizard, which is the like Superman knockoff in it, um, comes in, like takes the, the criminal, like he like removes his, his torso and legs. So he's just like a head on feet. Jesus. And then carries him to a planet, and then he's like, "I'm supercharging the atmosphere with, with vitamin rays. You know, you you will never die because you're breathing this enriched air. You have to think about this for eternity." And the criminal is just like apologizing and begging like the entire time. It's God. really weird, yeah. And really like when you when you read it and you think about uh, like his life, and then the idea of him sublimating what's going on through his art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, not to mention that they're kind of, some of them are just real funny. Like they're not all that grim. Like some of them are just bonkers and hilarious. Right. Uh, so. Hmm. Uh, who, who was it that you said? I, I already wrote down, I shall destroy all the civilized planets, but what's the, uh, what's Fletcher the Hanks is the name of the, the, uh, the comic book artist. Yeah. My, my, my next get is going to be Transmetropolitan. Um, yeah, after, yeah. You after told I, me about that. I want to finish out the, the astonishing X-Men run. Yeah. Um, or at least I'm Dark excited about you reading or... Transmet too. Transmet's great. Um, it gets a little too like random monkey cheese, you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while, like Warren Ellis has a tendency to do that really rarely. And like, yeah. it comes out a little bit in that, but that, uh, that series has like an actual heart and spine and all that stuff. Yeah. So it all, and it all comes through pretty well. I um, think as far as Brian K Vaughn, um, if I'm, if I'm thirsty for more of that is why the last man, a good direction to go. Um, we, we, we talked about this. I think that you should do uh, why the last man is really good. I like, uh, uh, X machina better. Okay, yes. No, I remember that now. Um, cooler concept. Like, Why the Last Man is like really interesting premise, and then when they finally explain it, it's a little bit annoying. Hmm. Um, and the, so like that's, you know, there's one, there's a virus that kills every man on Earth except for one. Right. And his monkey that's also a man. And they kind of go on this kind of post-apocalyptic journey. It's real okay. cool. It's a good, good book. Mm-hmm. Um, Ex Machina is like a guy in a world where there's only, um, like this guy ends up getting superpowers. He's like the only person who does it. Um, he tries to become a superhero and all of the like real life logistical problems fuck him over. <laughs> like he doesn't know how to fly. He doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. He ends up causing more problems than he, he fixes. Right. But uh, he happens to be around when 9-11 happened. Oh, right. And he manages to stop one of the towers. Okay. And based on that, he gets elected mayor of New York. Jesus. And that's when the comic starts. So it's not about him being a superhero. It's about him being a former superhero, <laughs> being the mayor of New York. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, it's real good, um, and it's like every all of this stuff from his past like comes back to haunt him. Like they explain the the powers and all that stuff, but it, uh-huh. the way it plays in is really interesting. Like it's one of my favorite tangentially related 
to uh, you know to super superheroism or, or you know right. science fiction. Uh, man, and I've told you this before, and I hate to just drown you in recommendations because there's only so much time in a day and so much money in your in your wallet. But uh, don't sleep on Planetary. Like Planetary is better than Transmetropolitan. Transmetropolitan okay. is great, but like as far as Warren Ellis stuff goes, Planetary is amazing. Okay. Um, and it's less. It has no. There's no caveats with it. Okay. Like it's not. It's like a, a you know amazing front to back. There's no. It's not funny or anything like Transmetropolitan can be, but uh, it's for like student like student of the genre. Like if you consider yourself versed in genre fiction, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a treat for that. Like okay. it's a very genre savvy take on uh, kind of like the like a super powered kind of like X Files y organization. Okay. That investigates things, but they're all really interesting twists on things that you'll recognize. Okay. Um, and it has a really good like meta narrative. Like the actual story of what happens is really excellent. And then the kind of monster of the week stuff is all really cool. It, is is it like a Delta Green a little bit in terms of tone? <laughs> yeah, except with a sm- what's much smaller uh, group of protagonists. Okay. So like, uh, and this is just this happens in the first issue, so it's not really a spoiler. Kind of thing, but like, so the the kind of things that they do is like the first issue, they're going uh, like off the coast of Japan. There's a hidden island where all of like the Godzilla and radioactive monsters died in the fifties. Okay, and because of their like cell, you know, because of their the the nature of their bodies, they're rotting incredibly slowly. <laughs> so the, this like this religious cultist uh, starts thinking of these as like cultural icons and uh, you know kind of totem animals, and brings like a group of people there and is like making them eat the rotten flesh of Mothra Jeez. from the inside to gain power. Wow. You know, and these are huge splash pages of them walking on these like gigantic dead beasts. Kind of thing. Shit, like it's real. It's real cool. How long? Uh, How long was the run? uh, Four trades, so twenty-four issues, I think. Hmm, Not bad. bad. Um, The the zero issue has them investigating like a guy who's uh, there's like a radiation range, and uh, it's clearly supposed to be the Hulk, like somebody. But they um, his body blew up really quick, and his his mind changed the same. So like they're walking around in his skull. And his brain is suspended by neural tissue in the middle of this gigantic room. Okay. That is his skull. Like just weird, crazy, big idea shit like that. Yeah. No, that and, sounds, that sounds fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. It's real, real. They're both great. Like, I mean, I, I, I want you to read them both. Like Warren Ellis is a great writer. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's probably my second favorite comics writer. So yeah. you, I big mean, shit. you haven't steered me wrong yet. So I'm an, I'm inclined to believe you. I just, uh, uh, based on reputation alone, I've had, I've had Transmetropolitan knocking around in my head longer just because I didn't yeah. know about Planetary, but that is, that, just, that is, a start, yeah, like, yeah. I would, I, mean, I would probably do Planetary first just cause it's run is shorter. It's way shorter than, than Transmet. Transmet's a, a long, much longer thing. Yeah. Like one of the, like uh, the two things that I am most, like I'm not 100% confident in my taste in movies or TV and definitely not in books, but I feel like I have really impeccable taste in comics. Like I'm, I'm fairly certain. I don't, I don't keep up with it. I don't read new comics, mm-hmm. but like, I don't, I don't like bad comics. Right. So with, I mean, that sounds arrogant, but no, no, I, 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 I feel very good about my taste in comics. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Um, if, if, if you will accept another recommendation, I know I've gushed about it, but saga, yeah, yeah. saga dude, 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I want to read it. And it came out in trade. So, like, you're yeah. getting in trade. Because the comic review podcast I listened to talked about it when it came out, and they recommended it really highly. And then, uh, but I just don't go to a comic book store that often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, I just go, like, you know, three times a year and pick up the new Walking Dead when it's out. Mm-hmm. So, the, uh, yeah, I will pick that up for sure. I just got paid and got my financial aid money Ooh, at nice. the same time. So, I've got a huge nest egg, thus buying that PS3 mm-hmm. all at once. So, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's like ten bucks on the rainforest. Like, it's it, it's really good. That, I mean, that that that's how I got it was was, was the trade. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 fantastic. And it's it's really refreshing to me to have uh, Brian K. Vaughn come back to comics because he he left for a long time. Hmm. Um, so the art, the like, like like the art is fantastic. Like I've been showing it. Like I've used it as a reference for at least two projects at work. Mm-hmm. You know, indeed. All right. So yeah, no, no skip it. We'll just get the hit, get hit the ground running. Hit the bricks. Yeah. Well, let's not do that again. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> you know, you're gonna get stuck in a loop. Uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. I don't know. No, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's fine. I heard somebody playing it at work the other day, and I walked in. I, did, I didn't walk in saying it, but I was just kind of like, oh, I like that scene a lot. Oh, I could be saying it. <laughs> I could. Give me what I want, and I will not say it. <laughs> All right. You know, you know what's a weird thing, and this is – Totally tangential. I know that you have a lot of background there. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've met a blind person. Oh. Like, I, not that, I mean, you know, not that that means that much. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I never thought of that before, and I don't know how common that is. I don't know if most people, you know, a couple blind people. I've never met anyone who is blind. I've, I've placed a marker here to put us into exorcist territory. One mm-hmm. of the most shocking experiences I've ever had, when I was working at the Center for the Blind or the Association for the Blind, mm-hmm. I, was, I was sitting at lunch one day. And I was, I, I was, you know, eating my sandwich and, and, you know, and, and everybody was sitting around. I realized, oh, I'm the only sighted person at the table. And they're all talking about the skydiving trip they took. Right. Right. And that's something you haven't done. Yeah. Right? Is that, that so, where you're going with that? Like, yeah, that's yes, a, it is. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I suck. Right, right. <laughs> like, like I appreciating am, the things that I have. I, I'm able in in one way, and and but don't take advantage of it. Yes. Don't, uh, you know, and, yeah, that's that's real interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but I can play video games. What? Yeah. <laughs> um. Real quick too, and I, I I may have told this before, um, and this is not about blind people; it's about deaf people, and is not to disparage them in any way. But my friend Zach has a story where he walked into a McDonald's uh, once, and there were a group of deaf people uh, who were pointing at him and laughing the entire time he was there, and he had no idea what it was, and it was just really surreal. Like he just like <laughs> was just like really weirded out by it. Like, why are these group of people signing to each other, pointing at me and laughing? Like, I mean, it would have been the same in any language you can't understand, but. Uh, Real odd. Well, well, no. The implication is he's making a sound that only they can hear. Oh, I was thinking he was kind of like, uh, you know, snapping his fingers or shaping his hands in some way that just you know sounded like twelve-inch balls, you know, or like something like that in in, in real life, in, in deaf life. To be fair, he was walking through there uh, with, with making an OK sign with one hand and then taking his index finger on the other hand and just thrusting it through the O. 
Sure, yeah, he does that when he walks around. Well, it's a like, tech. That's just kind he's, of he's kind differently, of, you know. We, yeah, we, we, we all have our demons, Gary. It's, it's his signal in case anyone's DTF. Down the fault. <laughs> um, right on. He doesn't text? Um, no. He, he, he avoids texting if at all possible. Yeah, he's one of those people. So Once I, I discovered texting, I realized that's the perfect form of communication. Never want to do anything else. If we could do this podcast over texting, we'd do it. <laughs> then it would just be like this weird combination blog slash chat log. That would be really strange. <laughs> like, and also something nobody would ever pay attention to. Although but the be, Duff. It'd be, it'd be more more searchable, which would be nice. But Yeah. 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 When, uh, in my Game Maker class, um, we we went through like, a terrible terrible class. Like I learned a lot, but just because I got to fuck around with the software, like the teacher was one of the worst teachers I've ever had. Um, but one of the things is we made a, a maze game. So you made like a Pac Man, you know. Yeah. And most of the characters just like took you know some random Pokemon from the internet and replaced the sprites and then just programmed it. And uh, I did a, a version of like a Pac Man where you're collecting coins, but each one was a note in the same oh, key. Yeah. So you're like collecting a Pac-Man board, but the melody changes depending on what order you collect the Pac-Man, Pac-Man board in. Awesome. And that was the point of it. And I, I submitted it to him, and he rejected it because it was too big. And he didn't want to download it <sighs> because it had – and it was just like, what a, what a great pedagogical moment. <laughs> thanks, thanks, college. Like, you know, like it, like you, you know you, the student is, is using the, the technology you're teaching them in new and interesting ways to express themselves, and you're just going to shut it down. God, I, I've never ever told you that story, but like the uh, uh, I took that class. My final project for it was I took you know we had made the last thing we made was a platformer, and the teacher just said for your final do whatever you want, but have it be a more like a polished game, you know as polished as you can make it. Right. And I took the tools that we had learned and made a, a point and click adventure game. Okay. Like we had never done that in the in the class, so I had no template to base it on. So I made a point and click adventure game like from scratch, which I'm not like totally proud of now, but like. For something I just kind of farted out of like duct tape and spare nails and stuff, like I'm kind of I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. The uh, so I turned that in. The uh, uh, grade I got back was like, yeah, you know, I got an A. And then the notes I had were, um, I can tell you put a lot of effort in this. It's not my thing, so I didn't play it. But good luck. And that was the extent of my feedback on my final project in that programming class. Fuck you, college. I would have like complained to the department head. I'm What's not, that going to do? I, I'm not. Like, I mean, I, I'm not complaining to the manager guy, but that's fucked. It's <laughs> isn't that terrible? Like everyone I tell that story to is fucking shocked, and I, I swear to God, like half of my college experiences are like better. You know, better. That's the worst thing, but right. are real, real pedagogically suspect. Yeah, like I am not having a good time in college, and fucking and hell, these teachers are bad. They are bad teachers. Huh. That guy was a real dickhead. And like I like I've never worked harder. Like on the final of that, uh-huh. I must have worked like twenty six hours or something mm-hmm. on it. Like it was like two weekends of like that's all I did. Right. You know, and just to like dismiss, you know, like you got your grade, but I'm not gonna do, you know, I'm not going to engage you at all. Because it's not my thing. That's what he said. I think that he just didn't want to take the time. Like, I'd be surprised if he played anything anyone did that wasn't like a pick up and play. What, was he just seeing if it booted? I, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and I did like I did a soundtrack for it and all this shit. Like, it was just like an amazing amount of effort to just have like somebody shit on a plate and stick it in my face. Like, fucking hell, in college. What a disservice! Holy crap! Yeah, That's... I paid for that. Like that was you know that was hundreds of dollars to get that guy to do that. Jesus. 
<sighs> I don't even know. Knowledge. I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. That's actually so material for sure. Yeah. But. Drop a marker. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping markerless. Markers like a mofo. Um, not angry. I, <laughs> so let's that? get this next. Now I'm angry. So let's get in this next section where I can, I can yes. be furious about something. <laughs> Fuck you, Mass Effect music. I don't even know that I have like anything really. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, my, my, yeah. my REM foo is weak. Yeah, man. You got to get on that REM shit. Every band that you love is, is deeply influenced by REM, no, knowing your taste like, in music. And I, and I love REM. That's the thing. That was just like a, like a, like a fucking dumb mistake. No, it's, <laughs> I don't actually think it's that dumb. I just, I didn't know whether you had gone yeah. in with REM and I was going to encourage you to do no, it. No, I, 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 I am a big fan of REM. Um, no. even, even, even their lesser works. Yeah, me too. Other yeah. than like reveal. Like yeah. I don't, I don't need like the last couple or the, those middle yeah. 2000s albums, but reveal was one of the first albums that I ever bought on my own. But I, but like I had already listened to a bunch of their stuff beforehand. So I knew mm-hmm. to like select one track or two tracks, but I'm talking about like monster and, uh, I, I actually, I like up too a lot. Oh I, I, yeah, I do too. We're on, yeah. we're on the same page. Up's really great. Monster's yeah. really great. Um, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, new adventures in hi-fi is, is maybe their best album. Yeah. And that's like a later work that nobody seems to like, but I think that album's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, like everybody, everybody name checks murmur. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I kind of like those. If you're gonna go bombastic, like you know, REM is basically like five bands in one. You know, depending on what year it is. But sort of like there there's a there's a real through line. Like one of the weird things when people name checking Murmur is like, man, like you know, realize their first seven albums are impeccable, right? Oh, like yeah. they're not. It's not just uh, <laughs> you know, that's like saying like um, you know, people saying like I like I really like the Talking Heads, but I only really like seventy seven. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Oh, uh, REM. <laughs> so good. Did you listen to? Um, I put it on my Facebook that guy, those people who transpose losing my religion to a major key. Uh, you know what? I, I wasn't able to watch that video when I saw it, and it just kind of passed me by. It's neat. God, I, I, I like that song a lot. I, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. great, and then it, it's a uh, you know it's one of the, it's a victim of being overplayed. Mm-hmm. You know, out of their big singles, I think it's the best one that is overplayed. Like it, by which I mean it's better than Shiny Happy People and. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what is that terrible song from Automatic for the People? Um, oh, if, if you're, big... you're going to say Man on the Moon, I'm going to be very upset. No, that's a great song. Okay. The one with uh, the, the video with all the cars. Oh, was, um, uh, Smack, Crack, Bushwhack, Tie Another Way. No, man. That's a that's another good of, one. Oh, that, that's are, are you, of... Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, uh, Night Swimming? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. The bad one. Those are all good. I no, know, turn the just... middle side upwise. Um, <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, everybody hurts. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, oh. that's a terrible fucking song. <laughs> like uh, everything else on Mac for the People is pretty good, yeah. except for Ignore Land, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what, I guess that's what I'm saying. So, so, I, so I think that like I, I love Automatic for the People. Whenever I get so defensive about REM that I'm willing to throw perfectly good tracks under the under the bus. <laughs> so like drive i love drive it's great like that yeah. just like that, that that awesome d minor kind of like just like let's riff on that for a little while great. yeah yeah we, weird uh subversive opening track yeah no just uh so so confrontational for an album that just kind of like ends up being really kind of uh, uh sentimental yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Great album. Those are my first favorite band. So I, I me too. Real deep <laughs> like, with those guys. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, like uh, other people in my like you know seventh eighth grade, eighth grade class, they were listening to like, uh, like, like fucking Papa Roach and shit. And I was <laughs> I was sitting down spinning like, 
uh, just, just yeah, losing my religion. Mm. <laughs> you know, man on the moon. Yeah, oh, I had hell. I had every cassette tape by that band. I used to go to the place that sold uh, uh, CDs and tapes mm-hmm. and uh, buy all of their singles for B sides. Yeah, like, it was the first band I got B side obsessed with. Uh-huh. And, uh And and we just had for a long time I had this like collection of like ridiculous you know REM rarities because I and I would make my friends <laughs> tapes of, of B side compilations yeah. before those were things that you could get mm-hmm. like, like literal B sides. I came to REM through the Tommy Boy soundtrack. And it's What's, the end of the, oh, it's in the worlds, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I was kind of like, like this is this is awesome. This is some next level stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. They're 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 an amazing amazing band. Like yeah. you got to get into. Uh, I've I've said it before, and the line isn't one hundred percent straight, but early guided by voices is kind of indistinguishable from REM. Yeah, yeah. And then they turn into their own thing, but mm-hmm. which is is excellent. Is you know is equally good. Yeah, but uh, I'm yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a freshman level guided by voices listener. Like yeah. yeah. Just just enough to know that they have weird album and track titles. Yeah, there there are more <laughs> missteps you can make with Guided by Voices. Like REM is pretty pretty safe. Like you're like, you can throw a dart and it's get mostly good stuff. The the, the, the the demarcation is chronological. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Whereas Guided by Voices is like, you know, they their last album before their most recent one is one of their best. Right. You know, and then before that it was like seven albums of shit. <laughs> like. Yeah. yeah. 